What's up? What's up? We just saw Wonder Woman. We did, and that was great. It was really good. So go see it. I want to marry Gal Gadot. Free advertisement <laughs> for them. So Not that they need it. I don't need from it. Us. You should already know it's good. Yeah, Gal Gadot is literally a goddess. She's so beautiful. Marry me. <laughs> Marry me. I want to point out, too, that Haley's not gay as far as I know. <laughs> or bi. But she wants to marry Gal Gadot. Everyone should want to marry Gal Gadot. That's true. She's beautiful. I know. So beautiful. <laughs> um, history, I guess. Uh, Funny history. Did you know that Moulton invented the, uh, the, what's it called? Oh, gosh, I just lost the word. No. Um, I didn't know that. Uh, lie detector test. Who? Moulton, the guy who wrote Wonder Woman. Oh, no, I didn't. Yeah, he also invented um, the, what's it called? What's the word? <laughs> I don't know what you're trying to say. What you up to? What's the word? <laughs> I mean to say lie detector. No, there's Machine. a word for it I'll specifically. Have to, I'll have to look it up. Give me a second. Polygraph. Polygraph. There we go. I just had to start, like, stressing <laughs> out by typing. I can do this. I can do this. No. No, give me a second. Yeah, he invented the polygraph. That's why, uh, that's why he included that in the comics. Her lasso of truth. Weird. Yeah. Weird. Oh, that makes sense. Because he's like, it's like the polygraph, but you get to be tied up in ropes. But it's bondage. I mean, uh, not, not get to, you're forced to. His favorite uh, thing. I mean, not that I enjoyed it. I mean. <laughs> not that I like being tied up by women, <laughs> but um, t- totally does. Totally does. <laughs> Can't blame him. Yep. Um, just imagining Gal Gadot, I mean. Right. I mean. <laughs> Welcome sure. to Hysterical History. <laughs> I'm Alexis. <laughs> I'm Haley. And um, we're Mrs. not going to talk... Mrs. Godot. Oh, uh, interesting. <laughs> um, we're not going to talk about Wonder Woman that much today. Or even Ancient Greece, which no. if only we'd known. But uh, Wonder Woman did inspire, watching the movie, inspired my, uh, my topic for today, at least partially. Um, and we're going to talk about the famous French surgeon Ambrose Paré. Yay! <laughs> Which, um, this unfortunately won't have a lot of sources to it, specifically because I did a paper about him while I was in college, um, and so I know a lot of things just because of that, and they're not very Googleable. Um, the sources that I used, because they were through, the, like, the library. I read a lot of books about him <laughs> and articles. Who uses the library? What? What a the, nerd. The extensive great library systems of universities. Yeah. yeah. Uh, boring. What do you I, I even had microfiche. I never used it because I was afraid of breaking it. Yep. I still have never used microfiche. It's kind of sad. Don't. I kind of wish that I had done it and just had someone show me how to do it, but I was, like, too shy and embarrassed. I'm way too embarrassed to ask now because, like, now I, right. like, have worked in libraries and, like, I can't ask. <laughs> I mean, you just have to ask somebody who doesn't know you worked in libraries. I need to go to a completely different like system be like right how do i use this they'll be like oh hello stranger who definitely isn't a professional exactly field you could probably do that here i mean you could just go to a local university and be like hey how do how how do they don't know you okay but how do (laughs) but how do how do i think i also ended up checking out the book that was the microfiche and so then i was like eh because like (laughs) it finally came but the microfiche came first i think i even ordered it on accident (laughs) Because I didn't know what it was. I think I remember that. Yeah. You got a, like, a little, like, like a tiny box. <laughs> like a little looks, cartridge. I'm like, Ugh. <laughs> it looks like it's full of, like, you know, photography cartridges. Right. Like, How do I do with this? And I'm just like, this is useless. <laughs> I can't look at this. I can't read this. Yeah. 
I think it also ended up being in French, too, so it wouldn't have been useful to me. He could have read it. No. He could have figured it out. I can't read... <laughs> I can't read 16th century French. Because <laughs> it's written by him. He wrote a whole bunch of books. You could try. But anyway, <laughs> um, the reason I thought about it while we were watching Wonder Woman, and I told Haley this already, but uh, it's because... Basically, at the beginning, you know, their island is attacked by Germans. Um, and there's a scene where, you know, spoiler alert, there's a scene where um, they're being attacked by the Germans and one of them gets shot for the first time, right? And you see kind of the bullet whiz past Diana and she doesn't really know what it is or what's going on. And then she sees the woman just on the string just, like, hang loose dead. And she's like, oh, no. Terrible, oh, terrible. Those are bad things. Right. And there's, like, these women who have trained so hard to be, like, the best soldiers ever, which they, like, completely are, and still, like, total the men pretty good, despite their, like, more archaic weaponry and everything. But they don't know about these bullets and what to do about them. Um, and that's very similar to how Ambrose Paré and many other doctors uh, during one of the wars that he is in felt about it. That you never expected the new Wonder Woman film and a late Renaissance uh, doctor would have so much in common. But they really do. But they really do. <laughs> uh, so Ambrose is born in... 1510 in Bourg-Hernsey near Laval, France. I know it well. Yeah, it's my favorite place to <laughs> summer. Oh, we, we summer there? Every summer. Except for this one. Yeah, this one we're just here mm-hmm. for your enjoyment. We're here for you. Uh, so to sum up Ambrose Paré in just one sentence, I'm going to use his most famous quote because I don't think anything really says more about who he is than this, which is, Je le pensais Dieu le guérit. Of course. Right? That just sums up his entire personality. Really just spells it out. That's all you need. So memorable. <laughs> do you want to know what it means? <laughs> I don't know. Do I? I think you do. <laughs> do I? Um, it means I bandaged him and God healed him. Ugh. So humble. <laughs> he is the most humble and the most wonderful of men. Um, similar to Wonder Woman. She's the most <laughs> wonderful of men because she's this beautiful goddess woman who's perfect and humble and wonderful. She's too good for this world. She is. And Ambrose almost is too, <laughs> honestly. But here we go. So obviously he's a doctor. And he's like touted hardcore as he's like the father of like modern medicine, which a whole bunch of people obviously claim that. But he's like one of the first scientists like that we see legitimately use the scientific method, see that it works, keep using it the rest of his life. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's very committed to like what works and what doesn't work yeah. and figuring it out. Which sounds like common sense, but it's really not, especially at the time. Especially at the time it's disgustingly not common yeah. sense. It it would it would possibly surprise you how how late the scientific method started to become, like, standard. Normal. Yeah. It's really uh, late. It definitely was not in the late Renaissance. No. It's hundreds of years off. No. If uh, if you hear someone call something science in, like, the 1500s, <laughs> it's not science. No. Call it uh, natural philosophy. It's guessing. It's guessing. Yep. And having opinions and yep. not having facts. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of opinions. A lot of opinions. Uh, there's there's if, a few exceptions, like uh-huh. maybe like astronomy, kind of. A little bit, but even uh, then, people uh, people generally find what they were looking for right. instead of testing it and being like surprised by their finding. Me like, oh, but maybe this is actually how it works instead of how we thought it worked. It's true, but it's like no. 
We pretty much know how it works because the Greeks said so. Right, and I know you're going to say Da Vinci, father of science, medicine, but not really. That old crazy man locked in the tower who makes little paper airplanes. (laughs) And he doesn't do medicine. He gets corpses so that he can study just, like, bodies and figures so that he can draw and sculpt and paint better. It's not about saving people. It was a complete accident. Yeah. (laughs) He just happens to write down a whole bunch of useful things. (laughs) He wanted to make the, the pictures prettier. Yeah. So he, like, accidentally... Ambrose wants to make sure the people don't die. Mm -hmm. That's his biggest thing. Uh, And he's still wonderfully humble about it. He's also, like, uh, which is cool, or this is cool for me because my dad is an amputee. He's, like, the father of modern prosthetics, too. Oh, cool. Like, of, like, eyeballs and arms, all sorts of crap. Oh, my god. Which, obviously, the eyeballs don't work, but, like... I want to know how creepy those first he's like, eyes were. <laughs> and it's, he's using, like, gold and stuff. Like, oh amazing. These people got blinged out That's amazing. Eyeballs. It's you super cool. So, like, people walking around, like, with gold and balls. I feel like if you... T- <laughs> gold and balls. I feel like if you, uh, if you told this to rappers, immediately they would start stabbing each other in the eyeballs. Yeah. Because they want that cool gold eye with a nice diamond iris right there and a beautiful, oh, you know, or like emerald and a nice diamond sure. in the middle. Yeah. Blinged out. You know, they already do the teeth. They're like, what's next? Eyeballs. 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 Sorry, I meant to say eyes in front of balls, but I just... <laughs> just golden balls. Golden balls. <laughs> So, obviously, like, he's young, and he grows up, and he, his older brother is um, what we call a uh, barber surgeon. Haley, will you explain to people what a barber surgeon is? <laughs> uh, so, you know when you go to the barber, and they're, like, those spinny light tubes that have the blue the and the and white and no, the red? No, blue, just red no and white. Blue. No, just red and white. Yep. Uh, so, that's... Now I kind of want to look it up to see if it's not like an urban legend or something. It might be. But that's supposed to be part of it's like, you get your hair cut, but it's also like, they're, that's who you'd go to if you need some surgery done, because they're right. the people you trust most with all your knives. Usually like dental surgery or something of the sort, not like major surgeries most of the time, I don't think. If you needed majories, but <laughs> majory? Majory. If you needed major surgery in uh, the Renaissance, you probably weren't, you probably just needed a... Mortician. You're probably just dead, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not, we, there's not much we can do about the inside. Mm-hmm. Because as we'll learn quickly, the doctors don't really know what's inside of you, and they don't really know how it works. It's kind of a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, basically, barber surgeon means the same guy who's shaving your face that you trust to be so precise with a straight razor, because that's all we got right now, <laughs> is the same guy who's giving you dental surgery, or like some other kind of basic surgery that you'll just go in for. No anesthetic. No anesthetic at all. Uh, Like, hopefully you, like, pass out, maybe. Right. It's a problem. But so his brother uh, is a barber surgeon, and he's, like, inspired by that. But he wants to be a barber surgeon, because, like, that's cool. Uh, <laughs> That's so cool. He, well, I mean, he loves seeing him like help people, and he, like, like I said, he's, his quote is like extremely humble. He's mm. just like a cool, nice dude who wants people's lives to be better. Is the barber surgeon like the male version of like the local witch? <laughs> no, I think I think it kind of is. I, not really. It's like a little bit different because one of them isn't stigmatized and it's more like homegrown and herbal, but... They don't do a lot of... I don't think they do a lot of like, oh, this concoction is going to help you um, feel better and it's like not tested. I don't think they really do that. They mostly have you come in, they do the thing, and then you leave. 
I don't think they're prescribing things to you, so I wouldn't say in that way that it's the same. But we will get to, like, basically witches later. They are the people you go to. It's like, I have a problem. They're like, here, I'll do this. Right. That's true. And we also, like, help you uh, deliver babies and or get your hair cut. Right. So... Ambrose, his, like, first... So he becomes a barber surgeon, which is kind of, like, the cheap version of a doctor. There are doctors at the time, um, but you have to study a lot. Mm -hmm. Uh, And because it's the Renaissance, very specifically, you need to study uh, Greek, like, medicine uh, from, (laughs) like, a thousand or more years ago. Mm -hmm. Because they knew what was up. Yeah, it's been clearly, obviously vetted for... Is ages? Centuries. Ages? Yeah. All the ages? And clearly they know what's going on. Like, uh, Renaissance means rebirth. It's the rebirth of that old Greek and Latin stuff. Right. And and this is not just in art that you normally see or, like, philosophy ideas. Mm, like it architecture. Is, right. It's also in medicine, mm-hmm. which is a problem. If you can't already see why that would be a problem, I'll explain it to you. So, like I said, he's a barber surgeon. Um, he's so he's not very like high tier or anything. He's just kind of like a lowly physician guy, uh, and he doesn't, I don't think, have any real grand aspirations. Like I'm sure he'd like to be higher up just because he'd like to be more helpful um, and like do more complicated things. Sure, but I don't think he's like begging to get in there. You know, mm-hmm. he doesn't seem to be <laughs> get in there to get into school. He doesn't seem to be trying super hard. Um, get right and, in there. Uh, I don't know if people know this, but um, France and Italy used to have a lot of wars all the time. <laughs> Constantly, yeah. really. Um, because France wanted Italy. Yeah, of Because course. it's like the closest area. And Italy at this time is very not unified, not organized. No, no. Just divided um, into tiny baby chunks. Italy has been unified like once, and that was back when it was the Roman Empire. And it's never been unified since. Right, and it won't be for hundreds of years still. Even then, I'd argue it's not unified now. It's still sure. just a bunch of little kingdoms who all think they know better than all the other ones. Right. They're still very sectioned off, mm-hmm. and they kind of always have been, and probably always will be. Always will be. It's, a, it's different than Germany. Like, I feel like Germany is pretty solidly unified now. Yeah. Um, yeah. But but it's a similar idea <laughs> if you know how, like, Germany used to be broke up into, like, 39 pieces. Italy used to be broken up into a whole bunch of pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, and so France would go, whereas France was a lot bigger at the time and more unified. Um, and so they would go to war with different pieces of Italy trying to get that piece because they want the land and their resources. Uh, and the war we're talking about with Paré is against Piedmont, which is funny because I used to live in an apartment complex called Piedmont. <laughs> Piedmont. Piedmont. And they always said Piedmont. I'm like, I'm almost positive. My roommates, when they say that, I was like, pretty sure that's wrong. Um, but anyway, so he's on the battlefield in Piedmont. Um, and this is the first war in Europe that they're, like, everybody's using guns. Or arquebuses, as they're oh, called. no. Um, they're, like, extremely basic guns. You know, they're shooting round bullets Mm -hmm. um, that are, like, I think they're made out of lead, maybe. I don't actually know. Um, So their guns are basically, like, firecrackers with a lead ball in the front? Yeah, that'll shoot fast at you. Mm -hmm. They're very inaccurate, obviously. You have to be very close. (laughs) Um, But they are, like, they're, you know, they're tearing through flesh and doing major damage. Mm -hmm. And as a medic, this is a problem, um, and they don't totally understand the science behind them and, like, what they do to you internally. Yeah. And once again, they only sort of understand what your internal, like, 
organs even really look like because it's right. against the like religious laws for them to cut you open. Mm-hmm. So they don't totally know. And right <laughs> now, like most of the doctors are following sketches from Greek times, like mm-hmm. from from Greek. Um, medicinal right. figures. The only thing they can learn about uh, anatomy is like what they can see or feel from the outside. Right. And it's uh, it's not great. No. And <laughs> if you can think about what your organs look like inside and how they feel if you push on different parts of your body, mm-hmm. that's not helpful because like rib cages and stuff. I remember like talking to an art professor I had once about like art and science history. Right. So I think I was going to do that as a paper and she showed me, I forget like what it was or even when it was but she's like you can tell this is a later art piece because it like showed the collarbones in Ah. the right place which they would only know after they were allowed to like start uh like looking at actual corpses and stuff right so it's like it it changes slowly (laughs) but there is a time where they're like what's a collarbone right where is it no one knows (laughs) uh so at this time they think the doctors um, think that the lead is poisonous to your body, which is kind of true. Mm-hmm. But they think that it's going to invade your entire body and destroy you from inside hmm. if they don't burn it out of you. Hmm. So when you have a bullet hole, they are, as it says here, they're using um, oil, which is an old Roman technique mm. for cauterizing your internal wounds. Mm. Um, so boiling oil to dump down your bullet mm, holes. No. And so, and like, you can imagine, you've like felt, you know, like when you have a cut and you put like an alcohol swab on it to clean it, it hurts quite mm-hmm. a bit. Yep. And that's not boiling oil inside of your body. Like, have you ever been cooking with oil and like a little, like a tiny speck right. flies like, out of the like pan? Like bacon? Yeah, like a tiny... A little bit of bacon grease? You can't even see where it landed, but you're just like, ooh, ow. Like, oh, that was not good. And you're, like, desperate to make it not happen again? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's... They're just straight down their bullet holes. Yeah. Wherever they are. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter. Um, and Paré, I want to say, is doing this, too. Because this is what he's been trained to do by professional doctors. Right. They've told him that this is the method, and this is... You have to do this, or they're going to die. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, that they're just... they're. No matter where the bullet hit them, they're dead if you don't do this. <laughs> it is known. Yes, by everyone, that you're going to die. Um, and so there's one night, he writes about it in his like autobiography, uh, which I think is like Journeys to Diverse Places. Um, but he, he writes about it, and he says one night he's doing this, and then he runs out of oil. Oh, no. Which he is just like racked with guilt about this and he's just like all of these people I haven't treated are going to die and I can't help them and he like looks around for more and nobody (laughs) has any and it's just terrible I can't burn anyone else with boiling oil to save their lives I'm the worst and he just feels like the worst person ever and he like writes you know how terrible he feels sure and um but then he remembers that this like basically probably like a witch doctor woman Mm -hmm. that he had met told him about this treatment of using, like, there was a couple things in it. It's like, they know oil of roses, egg whites, and turpentine. And they said, like, combine these things, and if you put them on wounds, it'll heal them, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And he... I mean, obviously, he trusted the doctors first, like, who have been to school and educated, mm-hmm. um, who want him to do this. But he's like, I have to do something. Yeah. And so he makes this concoction, and he puts it on these men, 
and he tries to go to bed, but he's so stressed out that all of these men are going to die and it's his fault because he ran out because like he didn't ration well enough his oil or something i don't know um but he's so overcome with guilt and stress that he does not sleep at all um like through the whole night he's just stressed and worried and can't handle it um and then when he wakes up the next day um those men are not dead and not only are they not dead but they seem to be in much better spirits they their wounds aren't inflamed like all of the guys who have oil poured <laughs> down the holes the boiling oil inside of them <laughs> imagine that their their wounds aren't inflamed they seem to be doing a lot better and they're like already up and standing right mm, it's almost like maybe we should trust wise old women <laughs> for people who don't know instead of burning them turpentine is an anesthetic and so when you put it on, it, like, kills all the bad bacteria, and it's just the same as if you cleaned your wound with, like, an alcohol swab. It's so that, like, nothing bad gets in there. And cauterizing mm-hmm. wounds, I mean, does that too, I guess, uh, but not as well and is much more painful and horrible. And they create a wound in and of themselves. Shouldn't be just pouring things inside <laughs> your uh, your abdominal cavity. Which feels like logic. And yet, <laughs> and yet, we're in a time where that doesn't totally exist. I mean, that's basically video game rules. Right. Uh, you know, pour, pour the lotion on its skin and it gets better. Right. Um, so apparently this is supposed to be an old Roman technique that he got from this woman, I think, as opposed to the Greek things that we're doing. I don't <laughs> okay. know. Sure. Really what that means. Whatever. Oh, no, oil is the Roman technique, sorry. Um, says they were... The people were better rested and they were calm and already beginning to heal when he woke up. I mean, those both sound, uh, it sounds reasonable just because, like, so today we're all about what's new and what's, like, right. on the cutting edge. Mm-hmm. But that's a, a very recent development. Yes. Uh, it used to be, like, if you wanted to be respected and, like, people to get excited about what you were doing and you wanted to have any authority, it would be like, this is the oldest thing you can think of. Right. This harkens back to the Greeks. It's And that's genius. Who were like the last people who knew what they were doing, according to the right. West. Yeah, or Romans. Or Romans, either way. yeah. Um, who stole everything from the Greeks. Exactly. So they also knew things. <laughs> they knew things. They, they knew everything the Greeks knew. Greeks were the source of all magic. <laughs> um, but... To the great surprise, probably, of everyone at the time, what does Ambrose do? He does not continue to dump oil down people's wounds. He goes, oh, this works better. (laughs) And he does that for the rest of the time. It's pretty weird. Uh, The Wikipedia article says he inadvertently discovers the scientific method, um, which, I mean, I wouldn't argue with that, although I feel like using that word is a little douchey. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I mean, for somebody who, like, did such an important, great thing. Uh, even if it was perhaps by accident. Sure. Um, Just on a whim. But the, the the point of, like, why Ambrose is so great is because he sticks to it. Mm-hmm. Like, this is so against the status quo of all doctors. Right. But all he cares about is what works. Mm-hmm. He cares about helping people and saving people. And he's like, this actually does that. Yeah. So bravo. It's, uh, um, it's pretty scary. Like I'm tr- I keep trying to think of what a modern e- equivalent would be. But it's so hard. Like, imagine a weapon that, like, does something to your body that has literally never been seen before mm-hmm. in the history of ever. And then, like, no one knows what to do about it, really. Right. The thing that they do is not great, but, like, some people live. Mm-hmm. And some guy comes along and tries, like, this this magic recipe he found from a witch, from a swamp woman. <laughs> right, right. And it works. Yeah. Or, or maybe it was an accident, but he keeps using it anyway. 
Because it works. Because it works. But maybe it just worked that time. But yeah. that that's like modern thinking is to be like, shouldn't we test it more? Right. That would have never occurred to them to do that. No. It wouldn't have. Um, and it says, uh, however, treatments such as this were not widely used until many years later. Mm-hmm. Like, he, he discovers this. He writes a book about it called The Method of Curing Wounds Caused by the Arquebus and Firearms in 1545, after this war. Um, but, like, probably no one cares. No. Why? Because he's not ancient in Greek. So... Or Roman. So you don't know yeah. anything. No one cares about the new thing. It's what's old that matters. Right. Um, it says he also reintroduced the ligature of arteries instead of cauterization during amputation. There you so go. he's doing the good old uh, tourniquet, basically, or something similar, which, you know, we don't use so much now, but, like, was extremely helpful for a long time. Instead of just, like, cutting it as fast as you can and then burning it? And then burning the stump. Yeah, no. Uh, let's not do that. It says, yeah, the <sighs> usual method of sealing wounds by searing with a red-hot iron. Um, and it usually caused patients to die of shock. So. Yep. Um. Well, yeah, because, like, it's not easy to cut through bone. Nope. Um, that's why, oh, what what movie is it? Some, like, Disney movie? Hmm. <laughs> hmm. Or maybe it's not. Uh, Atlantis? You remember Atlantis with, uh, I don't think, it, no, maybe Atlantis is a thing. It doesn't matter. Yes, I know what you Anyway. Um, like, the doctor on there, like... This, this I have new bone sonic can cut through a like a thigh bone in like three seconds. It's right. like you want that. That's important. That's useful. And that that movie took place in like the eighteen hundreds or something. Right. The nineteen hundreds? No, not the nineteen hundreds. Um he also he 1800s. invented a um a precursor to the hemiostat, which I'll show you right now. Okay. Um which are basically like the classic doctor scissors is all I can really think of how to <laughs> I think they're clampers. It. Yeah, it does say clamp. Um for like arteries and stuff, mm-hmm. uh, but they look like scissors. Yeah, uh, they just don't. They're not supposed to cut things. Mm-hmm. They're doing the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> they're holding things together. <laughs> um, but like, I'm positive all of you have seen them. If not, look it up. But uh, or if you think you haven't, look it up. Mm-hmm. But um, so yeah, he's like he very much is trying to improve things. He's like, how can I make this better? How can I make people die less? How can I make this less painful and horrible? And everyone's looking at him like, what are you doing? Uh, I don't think a lot of people are paying much attention to him. What are you really? doing? Really? Because he hasn't done anything that's been that remarkable yet. Um, I don't think. But so, um, I don't know like the exact order of everything, because I can't remember. But he, he does go to school um, at Hotel Dieu, which is like God Hotel. So <laughs> that means literally. What? Um, it's, a, it's a hospital. That's amazing. God Hotel. Because you're going to check out. <laughs> <laughs> One way or the other. <laughs> um, but so he tries to get into like medical school, um, but he can't read Greek. Uh-oh. He only speaks French. Uh-oh. It's not even clear if he knows mm-hmm. how to read in French, really. Oh, my gosh. Rex, um, he's not he's not nobility or even, like, nope. a rich merchant's son or something. Mm-mm, not at all. No. So, uh, it's not... <laughs> I want to I wanna emphasize that getting into medical school is actually significantly harder than I think that it is now. Um, and... Despite the fact that you think you have to have a lot of money to get into medical school, medical school now, you have to have way more money and influence and power way, way more to get into medical school then. Because uh, then you also have to like read uh, the language that only rich people know. Right, because the only way you're learning Greek at this time, obviously, is through books. 
Um, and there are books that are going to teach you how to read in Greek, like to translate from Greek to French, and to teach you Greek. Um, but they are in extremely limited supply, and they're very expensive. Yeah, like um, I feel like a bad person for not knowing just off the top of my head <laughs> uh, when the Gutenberg Press was... Touted out. Oh, it was around like 1440. Right. So it exists. Uh, it exists. It's becoming books and publishing materials in general are more common, obviously. Right. And that's helping. Like yes. the, I don't know, the flourishing of new learning, et cetera. But it's still very difficult. And if you don't, if you didn't have a tutor or it wasn't necessary for your vocation, there's no reason to know it. People don't speak Latin casually like they used no. to. Uh, and then, so you want to go to medical school, but all the books are written in languages you don't speak. Yep. And I believe up until then, it had been a requirement for you to speak Greek, uh, or at least read Greek, because you have to be able to read these texts, or you don't get to graduate from the school. And um, uh, why wouldn't you just translate the texts, one might ask? Because the Greeks were perfect, and we don't disturb them. Also because uh, you don't want peasants learning all this. Of course not. It's the same reason, like, they wouldn't translate Bibles out right. of Latin and stuff. Or, like, why they wouldn't let farmers, or not farmers, but, like, non-landowners vote in America for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> Those are peasants, and we don't want them voting because they're stupid. Like, there's no reason to put in all that money to have a translation done or printed. Because no. No. what are they going to do with it? They're not smart <laughs> enough to understand it. Right. Or to appreciate or it. Or rich enough to buy the book. Right. So they don't deserve it. Right. Why would you? There's no market. Right. There aren't libraries now. <laughs> not, there are personal well, libraries yeah, okay. for the very rich. There is a, I'm sure there's a medical library at this school. Yeah. Like so you if know, you are rich enough to get in, mm -hmm. then you can do it. Yeah. Not regular Joe Schmoes. Not, a, not regular uh, brother was a barber. Not good old Ambrose Pares. No. They're not getting into school there. Mm -mm. Um, he eventually does, and he graduates from there, and I believe he's the first person to graduate from that school who did not read in Greek or to be given, I don't know if he graduated necessarily or he was given um, like an honorary degree kind of uh, because he wasn't allowed to get a regular degree because he didn't read Greek. Um, but Please people just go away. We're in a tissy about it. It had a hissy fit. <laughs> yeah. Not tissy, a tizzy. A tissy fit. A tissy fit. <laughs> what? Whatever. Um, oh, apparently he's also... Uh, he documents the pain experienced by amputees when they perceive a sensation in the phantom amputated limb. Oh, so cool. he was one of the first guys to write about phantom limb <coughs> pains. That's or like the phantom limb idea, mm -hmm. which has to be like super weird at the time, especially yeah. that they're like, no, you're no. just crazy. You're just crazy. We need to hang you from the ceiling and spin you some. <laughs> and then you'll I be mean, better. Who, I mean, they're just looking for an excuse at that point. Right. I understand. There's a picture I'm going to show Haley real quick. Of a woman that mm -hmm. um, Ambrose wrote that he that she was pregnant with eleven fetuses. What? Um, Giovanni Pico della Mirandola reported the case of an Italian woman, Dorothea, who allegedly gave birth to undecaplets. Undecaplets after having given birth to nonuplets. So apparently she had seven or not seven nine identical babies oh or like gosh. at one time, and then later what? had eleven. Um, I'll just say, because uh, <laughs> I imagine Alexis will put this up on the Facebook page, but it looks like a hugely pregnant woman holding up her belly with a jump, like a hula hoop. A hula hoop, yeah. 
<laughs> Pretty much. Um, and it says the illustration is a copy of an original by Ambrose Perret. Um, from Anomalies and Curiosities of Medicine. So basically, Anomalies and Curiosities of Medicine is him just writing about the weirdest stuff that he's seen as a doctor. That's great. Which is awesome. Um, And one of them was a woman who had nine children at once and then had 11 children at once. That's too many. And apparently didn't die. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I'm sure lots of those kids died. Mm -hmm. But she didn't die, which is vastly impressive. It's crazy. And probably she didn't die because Ambrose Perret was her doctor. (laughs) That's true. Um, I also want to say he lived to be 80 years old in the 1500s. Mm-hmm. That's weirdly long. That's a pretty good ripe old age for someone yeah. who's not, like, royalty. I mean, that's old now. Mm-hmm. And we don't have as nearly as many diseases or horrible things that can take you out because you can't afford medicine or know what to do. Right, and people that do have those things will live through surgery more often. Right. So, basically, after this first war with Piedmont... Um, Ambrose Perre starts, like, studying bullets hardcore, and, I mean, he writes a book about it, right? Mm-hmm. Because he just, like, gets it. He's figured out some stuff, and he knows what's up, and he's not listening to everybody who's telling him to do things a stupid way anymore. He's like, nah, I'm gonna try stuff out. Uh, and so then, during the siege of Perpignan, I don't know what war that's for, uh, a few years later, in 1542, uh, he's accompanying the French army, and uh, during a battle, the uh, Marshal de Bissoc, um was wounded, and he was shot in the sol- um, soldier. Soldier. <laughs> I can't do the words. <laughs> in the shoulder, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so he gets shot in the soldier. Yeah. <laughs> I can't say it. It's like a tongue twister. Shot in the shot shoulder. In the soldier. I'll set it again. <laughs> shoulder. Um, shot in the shoulder. But they're having a problem. So he's like an important dude, right? But they're having a problem because none of the doctors can get the bullet out. Mm-hmm. They can't find it. Can't find Which it. Which you can just imagine that he's probably had like five or six like major doctors digging around in his bullet hole trying to get it out. Oh, no. And they're like, where'd the bullet go? Oh, well, get the oil. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't get the oil. No, they, they believe that you had to get the bullet out or it was going to poison you to death. Right, because so, the, seed, the seed's still in there. Right, so they got to get it. Uh, that's, um, that's pretty sensible, though. And so it seemed impossible, is what they said. And then Perret had an idea um, and he, so they, I don't know if they invite him or if like, they're like, hey, we've heard about this dude who like knows stuff about guns. He's the, he's the gun whisperer. And then he's like, bring him in here. Um, and this is still when he's like basically a barber surgeon kind of nothing, I believe. And Perry has an idea and he's like, hey, after he like looks for a minute, you know, he's telling me he got a magnet. No. Oh, that he's not that great. smart. Um, <laughs> he's like, can you lie in the position in which you were shot for me? Like, the angle that you were, like, at when the bullet entered you? Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah. And so he twists around, and then um, he put himself as an exact position in which he was shot. Um, the bullet was then found removed, and removed by Henry's personal surgeon, uh, Nicole Lavenant. So he's like, he's not removing the bullet, but he's like, why don't you just lie this way? And then immediately, like, boop, <laughs> they pull it right out. He's Dr. House. What a smart boy. I know. <laughs> Everybody's tried. Everybody's guessed MS already that they think that's a problem every time. And then they're like, what about this guy? Maybe he has brains and can figure it out for us. What about this weird eccentric? He's like, let me see And he it. comes in, and he looks, and he looks, and he's like, oh, this way. Like, turns him a little, and it's like, boop, right out. Oh, that's so infuriating. It's like people that are good at puzzles, and you're not. Right. You're like, I can't figure out. And they're just like, oh, tink, and it's done. Hmm. We were close. We got it close for you. You just solved it. Right. Um, He's also, it says, an important figure in uh, obstetrics. 
Which is, you know, the babies, getting the babies out of the ladies. I assume so. Um, obviously, since he had that woman who was giantly pregnant. I mean, even if you weren't a specialist before that happened, afterwards you've seen everything. It says he revived the practice of podolic version, which is wherein the fetus is turned within the womb such that one or both feet present through the cervix during childbirth. Such that one or both feet present. Okay, yeah. So he's, he's like, the baby's lying the wrong way, and you reach in and you turn it. Yeah, that before sounds... You, before you pluck it out. That sounds like exactly what they would do at the time, because that's what you do with the farm animals. Well, he's saying... They, he revived it, it says. They oh, weren't doing that, Oh, apparently. I see. I'm glad, um, well, that doesn't make any sense. That's yeah. what you do with animals. Why wouldn't you do it with your chids? Your, your chids. Your chids. <laughs> what about your chids? <laughs> what about the children? What about the children? Um, but he says he revived that practice, um... And it says, and showed how even in cases of head presentation, I don't know what that means, the head is coming out first, which is how we want it now, um, surgeons with this option could deliver the infant safely instead of having to dismember the infant and extract the infant piece by piece. Yep. <clears throat> I've heard of that being done to cows. It's horrifying. It's really bad. Horrifying. Can you imagine that to a person? Just because you couldn't uh, get it out. Like, it was okay, but it won't come out. And I mean, then it died. You gotta so get it out. Gotta, oh, you gosh. gotta get it out. Horrible. Um, he introduced the lancing of infants' gums using a lancet during teething in the belief that teeth were failing to emerge from gums due to lack of pathway, which is why they stick holes in your oh. thing. Um, Gross. Which isn't a good thing to do. <laughs> but, like, he's still a man of his time. He's not, mm-hmm. like, smarter than everyone else, he's seemingly. Not, right. He's not He's not a wonderkin, you know. He's just, like, using the scientific method and trying some stuff. Uh, yeah, to put it in perspective, like, so one of the first people that people think of when they think of, oh, science, is, like, Isaac Newton, right? Sure. Put it in perspective, like, Isaac Newton wasn't even born until, like, the mid-late 1600s. Right. Also, he still believed in, like, alchemy. Of course. So, it's like... It's He's like, we can make this into gold. We can do it. <laughs> it's like, no. No. You literally cannot. No. So, even someone Chemistry who, like... Chemistry is not magic. Revolutionized their field in physics uh, with science. Like, with right. science. Like, provable science. Instead of, like, I just feel. Is, uh... Still, like, a hundred years away, literally. Mm-hmm. And that guy was still a bit weird, too. Right. He's, he is a product of his time, yep. as is Ambrose Perry. Mm-hmm. Products um, of that time. Luckily, a much better product of his time than most of the other doctors. Mm-hmm. But still, product of his time. Um, it says... Oh, here you go. It says, uh, Paré was ably seconded by his pupil Jacques uh, Gilmot, who is the most French last name, who translated <laughs> his work into Latin. So he's writing his stuff in French, and oh, he has a no. buddy translating it to Latin for him. So then all the scientists, the natural philosophers, will take him seriously? Yes, yeah, so they might read it. Oh, my gosh. Um, I won't even dream of reading he, it if it's not <laughs> the, in Latin. The title for this is for his obstetrics. The title of it is Childbirth or the Happy Delivery of Women. <laughs> So women have a good time. Um, We're all just gonna have a great time, ladies. But so, so he's a barber surgeon, the lowest of the low. This war presents an opportunity for him to like be capable and to show his prowess, and he does, and he's so good at everything. And then they're like have this weird problem, and they invite him in, like as a specialist, to show them how to do it. He's able to get a degree from this like really prestigious school, even though people are pissed about it. <laughs> um, and then what does he do? 
He rises from the lowest of the low to be the surgeon of the king, which is the most, like, prestigious doctor at the time ever, right? That's the best you can do. And for the Valois, my favorite. They're Your so favorite. great. Um, under Henry II. He is <laughs> the surgeon of the king for four kings, but they go through them pretty fast. Yeah. And there's not much he can do about it. <laughs> Like he's um, got a king, what Henry Henry the Second, right? He dies in a jousting match when he's stabbed in the head. Yep, and it's like, well, I can't really get it out. I can't stop you from being stupid, right? This is not something you can really do. Francis II is extremely sickly his entire life and dies of, like, they're pretty sure ear infections. <laughs> oh, no. Which could kill you if oh, they weren't treated, and they didn't have any knowledge of it. Right. But, like, because of just inbreeding, he was just already going to be dead. He was already a He wash. already had a hard time, like, just even walking around. If you've no. seen Rain, he's a lot more healthy than that. No. <laughs> just let him die. He's a healthy, vibrant man there. Just let him die. I don't remember how the other, or how Charles or Henry III die, but seemingly also from something stupid or <laughs> impreventable. Yeah. He, mm-hmm. he, he can't prevent it. I was actually really upset in Rain because instead of having Ambrose Paré there, they had uh, Nostradamus, which I understand because he was around and he like also did things and Catherine was obsessed with him. <sighs> but like I was like, this was an opportunity for you to have my favorite person on your on the show <laughs> I'm watching, and they didn't uh, do it, and it was so get that deeply upsetting. Who's like most famous for being just like a crackhead, right? <laughs> Oh, this is so cute. I didn't even know this. See, I'm learning things. Um, it says that there was... So there's a massacre on St. Bartholomew's Day, right? Mm-hmm. And Paré's life is saved when King Charles IX locks him in a clothes closet. Aww. That, like, Charles thinks that he's worthy enough. <laughs> the king is yeah. saving your life because he thinks you're so important That's and adorable. useful. That, How cute. That, like, the last time I saw something that cute, it was, like, the Anastasia animated movie where it's like, here, hide in the cupboard. It's a secret escape <laughs> right. route. <laughs> Like, here, famous, beautiful doctor man, hide in my closet so they can't murder you. Instead of hiding there himself. Yep. In the future, we'll meet again and marry in Paris. <laughs> so nice. Um, he died in Paris, it says, in 1590 of natural causes in his 80th year. Was it tigers? I don't think so. That'd be pretty natural. <laughs> but so he just drifts quietly into the night. The, the world has decided 80 years was enough of Ambrose Bure. That's um, enough. That's enough from you. Settle down. So he, and he published a whole bunch of different stuff, obviously, and it's become really popular in time. Um, he was married, and he had kids, and all that cool stuff, but that's not what I'm interested in. I'm interested in the Bezor Stone experiment. Haley, do you know what a Bezor Stone is? Uh, I know about it from Harry Potter. It's a thing that cures poisoning from a goat or something. Um, it's like a, it is like a stone. I think it's from, like, the belly of a goat yeah. or something. Um but, it, yeah, it's a poison cure-all, which mm-hmm. I just want to tell you, it's not real. That doesn't make sense. Of course it's real. It doesn't exist. Have you not read Harry Potter? And Bezor Stone, <laughs> this this round here is Bezor Stone versus Mr. Scientific Method. Nice. And Ambrose is like, apparently Ambrose is like having a conversation with the king, and the king is like, I just got this cool Bezor Stone. And Ambrose is like, that doesn't work. And then he's like, yeah, it does. But goats are magical. <laughs> and then Ambrose is like, no, it's not. Like, that does, it's not going to work. And he's like, no, I don't have to worry about being poisoned. <laughs> yes, bring me some arsenic. And Ambrose is like, yes, you do. Please don't do this. Please don't test it. It doesn't work. 
And he, apparently he's like, fine, I'll prove to you that it doesn't work. This is why kings die so often. Right. And so they convince, he convinces him that they're going to prove it doesn't work. So what do they do? They get a, uh, someone who's already on death row. Oh no, they use real people. A prisoner. (laughs) They do. Uh, They find a prisoner who's already on death row. Yeah. And they say, hey bro, will you... Ingest some poison and then ingest this bezor stone. You're supposed to like grind it up and drink it or something. Sure. Uh, ingest this bezor stone, which is a cure all. He knows, and like it's a really famous cure all, right? Mm-hmm. So th- I'm sure the guy knows who's in prison. And they're like, guess what? If you are cured, you're free. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> Go for it. Right? What's the worst that could happen? Yeah. You're gonna die anyway. You're gonna die anyway. Why would you not accept? Right. Like, it's this or they're going to cut off your head or draw and quarter you. Who knows what they're going to do to you? It depends on how terrible you Probably are. Probably a much better option in general. I'd it, be like, please give me the poison. <laughs> it might be. I don't um, even bother giving me the stone. I don't want to be here. Right. So, uh, oh, so the cook at Paris court, it says, was caught stealing fine silver cutlery, and oh, he was no. condemned to be hanged. Oh, All no. he tried to do was steal silver. <laughs> he but Paris was silver. like, this is a great idea. Also, it's funny to me that he's the cook, and he has to eat the poison in the oh, poison no. <laughs> Amazing. Um, but so he, he agrees to be poisoned on the condition that he would be given the bezor straight after poison and go free if he survived. Um, the stone did not cure him, it says. <laughs> Of course it didn't. <laughs> and he died uh, in agony seven hours after being poisoned. Oh, dear. Thus, Pure had proved that Bezors could not cure all poisons. Maybe it's just Cook's. Maybe the Cook had a, something wrong with him. Maybe no. it was a bad stone. This is just a day's work for Captain Scientific Method. I'm saying if it was good Scientific Method, you'd test it again. It's true. They only had one stone. So. Oh, well. What are you going to do? should have used half. <laughs> They're like, no, you need the whole thing. That's why it didn't I think Perret was just confident and happy that he had been proven right, and the king's probably just like, oh man, oh it didn't work. Oh, it was true. If it if it says it's going to cure anything and it doesn't cure one thing, at the very least, the original claim is not true. Even if right. it does cure something, sure, it could cure a poison. It's not going to cure this poison. No. And I'm sure they used like the most common poison that they were most worried about. Yeah. Um, as far as like something being snuck into mm-hmm. his food or whatever. I like that Harry Potter taught me, like, a real historical thing. Mm. It's true. Yeah. There are multiple things. I mean, mm-hmm. and just, like, the, you know, the idea of, like, Nicholas Flamel and, like, trying to live forever yeah. and alchemy and stuff. Yeah. yeah it's in there. Um, apparently, he's also the father. He's the father of everything, don't you know? That's he's not also, <laughs> Ambrose Perry is also apparently um, the father of modern forensic pathology. Which makes sense, because he's not afraid of probably cutting people open, because yeah. he's decided that's the smartest thing to do. Sure. And he's a smart boy. I'm surprised there isn't, like, some ancient Greek with that. With cutting bodies open? Yeah. I mean, maybe. But, like, even the drawings of it would be really old and not helpful. They are real bad. We're still, at this point, operating under the four humors theory mm-hmm. of the body. Very accurate. Do you want to explain partially <laughs> what that is? Uh, I mean, oh man, all the things I could compare it to. I'm like, I'm gonna offend somebody. <laughs> I'm gonna offend somebody. That's okay. So it's sort of like a horoscope for your body. <laughs> sure. Uh, there are four different colors inside of you, and depending on which color is in there the most, yes, you could be ill. So it's sort. Imagine that. All of the functions of your body are operated and maintained by the four houses of Hogwarts. 
<laughs> yep. And whichever one you're sorted into <laughs> is what you have the most. Is what you have the most. That's like your per, your over personality. Right. Your um, I don't know. Your sanguine personality. Sanguine personality. Or your what are the other ones? Like uh, melancholic. Yep, melancholic. Pneumatic. Sure. And then the other one, Hufflepuff. Yep. <laughs> the black one. <laughs> the black one. I thought uh, melancholic was the black. Oh, maybe one. it is the yellow one. The yellow one. Mm. Red is sanguine. Sanguine. That's the only one I know. Because <laughs> sanguine means blood. And blood is red, don't you know? So in your body, in Hogwarts, if one of the houses gets too much power, you uh, could become sick. Right. And Depending you... on who wins the Triwizard Tournament. Yeah. Or not Triwizard Tournament. Is that? No, that's not right. The uh, House Cup. Yeah, so it's house a little cup. bit of that. It's a little bit of, like, uh, Last Airbender... It's because like all of them Mojo. have all of them have a uh, like an element, right? And are like, it's it's, it's just it's kind know. of like like not to offend <laughs> these people. It's kind of like chakras. It's yeah. like something in your body is out of order. Mm-hmm. There's too much of something that's supposed to be all in balance. And if it's messed up, then they're gonna tell you how to fix it. Here we go: blood, yellow bile, black bile, and phlegm. Here we go. Um, yeah. So they're all based on like different. Like body fluids, mm-hmm. right? Two of them are both bile, but you know they're different uh, colors. Thought to be caused by vapors inhaled or absorbed by the body. Yep. Uh, which is called humorism. Uh, which is what we're all about here. We love humorous things. <laughs> humorism. Humorism. Um, so clearly, Ambrose Parade does not believe this. Yeah. <laughs> I should just say. Yeah, but everybody else does. Everybody's why, real sure. Why wouldn't you? Everyone loves being Hogwarts sorted. That's right. But now it's just that. But it's like your entire body's medical needs, is, your your liquids, and your personality. So it's got like a bit of like the zodiac appeal right. to it, or like the uh, the blood type thing. The they blood do in type. Japan. Thing. Yeah, yeah. It's all the things that people intrinsically just love having done to them. But it's not true, right? But this is like why they did like. Um, like leeches, like bleeding people because mm-hmm. they thought they had too much sanguine. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, they, they would have them inhale vapors sometimes, but like different ones than they right. think were the problem. Um, <laughs> so you got to balance your houses, yeah. your chakras, your gotta elements, be, your zodiacs. You got to be in line. You got to be full of humor, but not uh, too much. Not too much. But yeah, he, so uh, he like does, it says methodical studies on the effects of violent death on internal organs. So he's like, when people have violent deaths, he's looking at the inside of them and trying to figure out what specifically, like, shut down. Yeah. And what made them die, like, personally. Yep, that is forensic pathology. Mm-hmm. Nailed, um, nailed it, brah. It says he also created the and wrote reports in court, a procedure on writing of <laughs> legal reports in relation to medicine. Cool. So he's like, as once again, like, forensic pathology. Like, he's the specialist who's he's coming in <laughs> to tell them, yeah, this person murdered them because this happens in their body, and that clearly means murdered. Oh, my gosh. That needs to be the new CSI. Right. It's like CSI 1500s. Why is there not Ambrose Paré the star of anything? I need, like, a TV show about him and a movie and, like, some books. He needs a miniseries, at least. Right. He's so cool and good. And he's such a, like... Like a literal Steve Rogers character. Mm-hmm. He's like from the slums, humble dude, just wants to help people. And he <laughs> rises to the highest position possible, despite mm-hmm. everyone hating him for it. Mm-hmm. And is just still humble as hell, because he's just smart just and doing, capable. Doing that good work. He's such a good boy. I think, 
I wanted to bring up the corpse medicine thing, but I'm pretty sure we talked about that before, mm. and that was the first time we mentioned Ambrose Paré right. on the podcast. But yeah. Also, people were eating other people for medicinal reasons. Yeah. Uh, and he's like, that's not good. No, don't do that. He was bad. He was slamming all of his colleagues. He's like, everyone thinks this works, and it doesn't. Like, and that's gross. And dear, dear diary. Honestly, I'm sure he knows that it didn't work because he tried it. Because Ambrose, that's <laughs> mm-hmm. one of the things he, like, he would take it almost to extreme. He would try anything. I almost am positive I read somewhere that one lady, like, it might have been the same lady that told him about the um, the ointment that he made. The Swamp Witch. Yeah. She also, like, I think it was the same woman told him, like, there was this concoction that you made, and part of it was, like, boiling puppies. Yeah, they did that a lot. Yeah, yeah. and I'm positive that he did that, too, once. Sure. And then he was like, doesn't work. Doesn't work. Also, puppies. Also, I'm almost positive, like, he did it, and then he did it without puppies. <laughs> Just to see if, like, maybe boiling puppies yeah. wasn't the ingredient that maybe, made things happen. Maybe that wasn't the oomph it needed. Right. He's like, this is horrible. Um, wasn't the necessary spice. And then it says he contributed both to the practice of surgical amputation and to the design of limb prosthesis. Um, he also invented some ocular prosthesis. Uh, making artificial eyes from enameled gold, silver, porcelain, and glass. Oh my gosh. That's so blinged out. He's such a cool dude. I'm almost positive I've read of a <clears throat> like peasant recipe for, I don't know, ulcers or headaches or something that involves like boiling a human. Probably. Or most of one. Right, because like when we say corpse medicine, usually they take like juices from a person and then make you drink it. Sometimes flesh, but I think it was usually like... Like dried stuff. Yeah, dried stuff. Like dried. Or like their juices. Yeah. Or like, well, they don't just like get handed a foot from the executioner. <laughs> eat it. And then like, here you go, and they eat it like a watermelon slice. Yeah, no. It's not quite like that. Not that bad. But uh, still very yeah. gross and not helpful. I don't know if you know this, but like, don't consume corpses because mm-hmm. they're not good for you. What if they're super fresh? Nope. What if they're from ancient Egypt and they contain some sort of <laughs> unusual product no. from, like, the way they were glazed back no. in the day? All I can think about sure. when I was talking about, like, how Ambrose was like, which part of you broke down? Like, let me check it out. Was I was immediately thinking about ancient Egyptians, like, digging around <laughs> you and going, heart, useless, throw it in the trash. Useless. Put Whatever. it in there. So useful. <laughs> Important for life perfectly. I mean... It's not untrue. Right, but, like, one of these things is more important than the other. Well, if you don't have a liver, you're not going to last long either. I know, but if you don't have a heart, you're dead. Instantly. Eh. (laughs) Your blood's not flowing. You're dead. Eh. I mean. Instantly. What do you need blood for, really? (laughs) When you've got your body so full of... uh, Phlegm. Hufflepuff. Phlegm and bile. And, and black bile. And Slytherin. Right. Yep. Um, but anyway, that's Ambrose Perret. Ambrose, he's so cool. What a cool, chill dude who's just awesome. Actually, I'm going to close with one story about him that I read up here. Um, uh, wait. Um, who's more of a babe? Nikola Tesla or Ambrose Paré? Like, who's hotter looking? Interpret as you will. Um, Nicholas... Nicholas. 
Nicholas. <laughs> Nikola Tesla is definitely more attractive than Ambrose. He's not horrible looking, but he's not great. He has uh, um, he has an intense eyebrow game. He does, and he's got a nice long nose and like good beard, all of which I like. <laughs> I think that comes of uh, like being very disappointed with your colleagues for like your entire life. Forever. <laughs> that look on his face is like. Uh, He's so tired and judgmental of whatever you're doing. Uh, the king just he said mildly could be cured by a rock. From he a looks goat. mildly disgusted with yeah. you. Like, <laughs> He's so. He's How pretty, could you be doing this? Why are you doing this to me? Why are you being stupid? So I want to close with a story um, that apparently. Oh, but I, if I was going to pick one to date, like personality, definitely Ambrose because Nicholas insane, but Nicholas is hotter. Nicholas. I keep saying that. Nicol- Nicola is hotter. I think it's a combination of them. Nicholas. Sounds. Good old Nicholas. Saint I think it's because I also said Nicholas Lamel earlier. <laughs> anyway, um, apparently in 1536, during the Battle of Milan, uh, Perry encounters two men who had been horribly burned by gunpowder. Uh, it says a soldier came up and asked if anything could be done to help them, to which he shook his head. The soldier then calmly took out his dagger and proceeded to cut their throats. Well... Just slit them open. Well, a horrified Pere shouted that he was a villain, to which he was told, were I in such a situation, I would only pray to God for someone to do the same for me. Okay. And while I understand, like, putting someone out of their misery, and he did ask ahead of time, can mm-hmm. you help him? And he said no. <laughs> so he's sure. like, I'm just doing, you know, I'm, I'm helping them. Mm-hmm. But I love that Pere, I don't think, ever sees that as helping them. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sure he definitely, like, was like, this person's going to die and tried to help them pass as easily into the next life. But he's not about to, like, kill people. Mm-hmm. He's not going to Kevorkian people. He's going to try his hardest as long as he possibly can. And he's going to just, you know, feel guilt with them passing and him being unable to help. And I sure. think, I think like, that war... And seeing all of the horrors and terribleness is really what inspired him, like, for the rest of his life to try as hard as humanly possible to find a cure for everything he could and to really just, like, vet it out. And that's why he's, I think, across so many different medical fields that he's, like, such a huge influence in because he just wants to help everyone so much. And, like, everything is important to him. Whereas a lot of doctors at this time, it's all about, like... In, like intellectualism and about like it being a status piece you know like I'm a doctor so I'm respected I'm popular I have knowledge that other people don't and like that knowledge gap gives me power money and uh, status and it doesn't seem like it was ever that way for him at all mm-hmm. you know even when he is the most famous doctor in France like the king of the mountain as far as doctors he's still like He's, he's such a humble and great dude that kings are hiding him so that he doesn't die. In their closets. Beautiful Saint Parade. <laughs> uh, hysterical. Mm-hmm. Is that it for today? I think so. I'm done with the man, the myth, the legend, Ambrose Parade. Ambrose Parade. So every time uh, you hear that name, you can also go, yay! He's my French hero, my yeah. French surgeon hero, and he should be yours too. <laughs> I, I'm Alexis Lord, and I approve this message. That's right. What a beauty boy. It's <laughs> uh, pretty good. Mm-hmm. Let me see. So this has been Hysterical History, Broad Perspective. Right. 
Uh, if you want a reminder on when a new episode comes out, I recommend subscribing, mm-hmm. uh, probably on Facebook, but you can also go on iTunes or Google Play. Uh, we also, I mean, we post, we've been pretty good about every Monday. Yep. Um, check out our website at Hysterical History Podcast. Nope. nope. I'm looking at our email. Our email. <laughs> Forget everything you've ever learned. <laughs> hysterical History Podcast at gmail.com is our email. Our website is hystericalhistory.simplecast.fm. Right. And please feel free to email us about episodes that we've already done, episodes that you would like us to do, um, and just basically anything, any thoughts or feedback you have, we would love to hear. Um, and yeah. you should check out our beautiful website because Haley did all like the graphics and stuff on it, and it looks awesome. Yeah, we don't get a lot of emails. I'm sad. Yeah. I wish we got more emails. I agree, but, you know, I understand. And review on iTunes if you want. We yeah. Would, we would like you to. We would love that. Tell your friends, you know. Tell your family. Sure. Our families were kind of like, eh, about it, but. My mom told me it was different. That was her comment on us. (laughs) My dad was like, it was nice. And then there was, (laughs) and then there was like a, like three second silence. Uh, Like, great. And then we continued talking and we never brought it up again. So please be proud of us because clearly our parents are not. (laughs) Our parents are not proud of us. No offense, parents. We love you. But, um, (laughs) but, uh, hey, if you're listening, then you'll be able to say something about it. So it's it's a double-ended sword there. No, right. that's not the phrase I want. Sure, I don't know. Um, but they're not listening, so they can't call us on it. That's right. If you start listening, we'll know. Because <laughs> Gil texts me about how you do support me. <laughs> hey, I love it. Just because I don't like humor, which is what my mom would say, doesn't mean... You know, she's like, you know how I have no sense of humor. <laughs> she's so funny, though. Like, like, yeah. like when Beta walked into the door. <laughs> When, like, Alexis's old stupid dog, stupid dog tried to go outside and her mother was opening the door to let it out and instead it just, like, walked into the door. <laughs> you could hear the thud. Stupid and Alexis's dog. mom was like, he's so stupid. <laughs> it's true. I love dogs, but Beta was the worst. Beta was not the sharpest uh, pebble in the river. Okay. <laughs> sure. I was trying to think of things that are generally very round anyway. Mm, I see. Um, anyway, enough about your dog. I know. Yeah. Join us. Dog in our join us next week. I don't know what I'm talking about. Sure, but it'll be great and funny. It'll be great. Just wonderful. Or uh, email me real quick and I'll research something to talk about. There you go. Hey. And we will talk about what you email us, so you should do it. Unless yeah. it's like horribly depressing. Or we like. can't make it funny. Ask us questions that you have about history. Right. And we'll try to answer them. That would be great. What's your, what are your questions? What are your history's mysteries? Yeah. What's, that you want to answer? What are, do you want us to talk about aliens? I'll talk about aliens. I don't want to, but you can I do will it. talk about aliens forever. Thanks for joining us. You're awesome. Stay awesome. Yep. Or else. Don't stop being awesome or we'll find you. We'll find you in history. Yeah. Bye. We'll talk about how dumb you were and it'll be great. <laughs> 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 On this podcast. <laughs>